The reading is from Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 through 12, and chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming, In these you too once walked, when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. The word of the Lord. Stand for the reading of the gospel. The reading is from chapter th- Matthew chapter 3, verses 11 to 17. The Lord be with you. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. When Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him, John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. The Gospel of Christ. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. As we are standing, please pray with me. Father, unite us to your Son, Jesus Christ, by your Holy Spirit, to the end that when you shall bring all things to yourself and fulfill all righteousness. 
We pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. You may be seated. So today is uh, the feast of Christ the King. It's the last Sunday before we enter into another liturgical year. It happens next week in Advent. So as the name suggests, that feast, the feast celebrates the dominion and reign of Jesus, Jesus over all creation. And since we also have a baptism today, it's appropriate that we together reflect on how we experience this kingship, this dominion of Jesus in our own lives through baptism, how Christ is king over us and over all of the universe in baptism. So the last time we had baptisms in October, we looked at baptism as a new kind of exodus, a constant running away from sin and a constant running towards the new creation. And today we'll look at baptism as union with Christ, baptism as Union with Christ. Now, union with Christ, that's a technical phrase that refers to this particular doctrine that's mutually affirmed by Western and Eastern Christianity. And it's been argued historically through the millennia that this doctrine of union with Christ is the bedrock, the ground in which we stand, in which our experience of divine transformation rests secure. Scottish theologian John Murray said that union with Christ is the central truth to the whole of salvation. The central truth of the whole of salvation. The phrase in Christ or in Him, in Jesus, it occurs 216 times in the New Testament. That gives us a sense of what's really the focal point of the early church's teaching about Jesus that we here today have been given in the Bible and what we read about. It's our faith. This is to say that for any of us as individuals, as people, for anything for that matter in the universe to be changed, to be transformed, it can only be because we and everything else have been united to Jesus Christ. Now that's an abstract thought, but You know, we know something about being changed and being transformed when we're in union to something or someone, right? Being in union, that's a state of being with another person or a thing whereby they interact in this bonded relationship, a bonded relationship. It's not a weak, transient, superficial kind of relationship. It's a strong, it's an intensive, it's a committed kind of relationship. See, we wouldn't even consider or say we're in union with that stranger we just passed by in the sidewalk this morning, or to the piece of lint that you find in your pocket, but we would consider, in various degrees, being in union. We would say this, we're in union to our spouse, to our children, to our country, our planet, our heritage and genetics, our close friends, our morals, our hopes and dreams. We relate to these Entities with such depth and commitment, with such fortitude and intensity that they will in turn impact who we are and who we are becoming, even right now. What I mean is that these bonded relationships in which we feel this profound sense of oneness, solidarity, commitment, these relationships will inevitably change and morph and transform us for better or 
for worse, right? We would allow these relationships, we would tolerate these relationships to make demands of us at the cost of our freedom, happiness, money, time. We would passionately and religiously take responsibilities and duties to uphold and promote these bonded relationships that we enjoy or that we endure. We are who we are today because of these bonded relationships. And they are still changing us even now. It's at least the same way and much, much more when it comes to our bonded relationship with Jesus. When we are united to him spiritually, we will be impacted by Jesus. We will be changed and transformed by Jesus. Jesus makes demands of us as king and not as tyrant. We have responsibilities. We have duties towards him and his kingdom on this planet. And we are who we are today as Christians, if you are a Christian, because of Jesus. And he is still changing us even right now. He's still changing us. The questions are, how are we united to Jesus? And how are we changed by Jesus? These are the two questions that we'll just look at today. How are we united to Jesus and how are we changed by Jesus? So these are not scientific questions, they're spiritual ones. And the Bible goes at length to answer them from many different angles. We can't look at all of them today, but we have our reading from Paul in his letter to the Colossians. Even that reading, there's so much in that we can't get into all of them, but if you have your Bible apps with you, or you could grab the Bible in front of you in your pews, it's on page 200 of the New Testament. Let's turn to Colossians chapter 2. So the first question, how are we united? How are we united to Jesus? Paul says, it's because the Son of God united himself. He first did this. He united himself to us. He took that initiative. In verse 9, for in him that is Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. See, the Son of God, he proved his commitment, his solidarity to us when he bound, united himself to our flesh. See, in the incarnation, which we'll celebrate in a couple of weeks in December, Jesus entered into this bonded relationship with the entire material cosmos, entering into oneness and solidarity with creation. And the immutable, changeless God began to change. He subjected himself to change. He became a zygote in Mary's womb. He developed into a fetus. He went through the birth canal. He grew up as a boy. He went through puberty. And then he suffered and died a man in his prime in his 30s. This is specifically how the Son of God, from eternity past, bound himself to us. How he showed his commitment to his creation, to his material cosmos. And it's because of this that Jesus did this in his body that Paul says in verse 10, You, we have been filled in him. We have been filled in him. The Greek more accurately says, we have been fulfilled in him, completed, finalized in him. In other words, since God's Son filled up the humanity and flesh of Jesus with immortality and perfection and glory, he brought to completion our humanity, 
the whole design and mandate of our existence. Why humanity even exists in the universe. So that's a big thing here. What's Paul saying? Now, think with me here for a moment. It's like we in the universe, we're currently on draft mode. We're currently on edit mode, so to speak. We're constantly under edit. We're edited in time. Right now, it's happening. There's no escaping that by circumstances, by aging, by joys and pains, by the people around us, even by ourselves. We're editing ourselves, right? We and everything else are always changing, growing, evolving, maturing, all the while decaying, dying, disintegrating, or even being destroyed. But then, at one point in time, God showed up in our space, in the human flesh and body of Jesus. And then in this body, he lived out our humanity of how humans were meant to live, how to worship God, how to serve and not be served, how to love, how to suffer, how to forgive how to die, and then how to live again. We see and touch and breathe in the flesh of Jesus as it were a preview of the final draft of our humanity, the complete version of creation, of who and what we and the universe are meant to be, to exist. We are fulfilled in the flesh of Jesus, made complete in him. Now, this is where baptism becomes important. Right? Baptism is water splashed or submerged. Baptism then spiritually, materially binds people from across space and time into this bonded relationship with Jesus' humanity, into this union with Christ. Verse 12, Paul says, We have been buried with Jesus in baptism, in which we were also raised with him. Baptism is that moment in time and space when the baptized person is united to Jesus. When Hayden would be united to Jesus in the waters of baptism. And baptism so unites someone to Jesus that whatever happened to Jesus' body, whatever happened to his flesh, also happens for the baptized. The perfect and righteous human life that Jesus lived in his body, that's real. That's true for the baptized. The death that Jesus' body experienced on the cross, that's real and true for the baptized. The physical bodily resurrection of Jesus' body, that will become real and true for the baptized. The immortal flesh of Jesus now sitting at God's right hand, ruling and reigning, that's now real and true for us who are baptized. Baptism makes what's true of Jesus real and official. For us today, just as something real and official happens when a couple makes their vows to one another in front of their family and friends and then signs the marriage license, or when you sign that adoption paper for that child that you're embracing into your family, into your home, when you sign that contract for that investment deal, when you get handed that diploma at your convocation, when you get handed the keys to that newly purchased home. Baptism isn't just this ritual symbolism, but Paul says it's, it makes something real, official. It makes the spiritual visible. 
It makes the impossible possible where people can be mysteriously united into the life, the death, the resurrection, the ascension and session of Jesus Christ who is in heaven. It's not a scientific phenomenon you can, where you can measure and predict step by step. And see, this is how people are united to Jesus. You can't measure that. Baptism is mysterious, but it's real. But it's no more mysterious and no less real than falling in love. When we experience a breakthrough, when we're feeling stuck in ourselves. Or when finally you just feel like you can forgive yourself. Or you could forgive that person. Or you've overcome your fear. Or when you say, when you believe someone when they say, I love you. And you just trust that. That's mysterious, but that's real. The one thing that's foundational about these examples that I just mentioned, including baptism, is it needs faith, human faith, to believe. There's no formula, there's no equation, there's no test tubes involved. We need faith in these moments of incredible mystery in our own lives to trust and believe that someone truly loves us when they say they do, that we are in fact healing, that we're recovering, that we're breaking through, and we're overcoming our fears. That we're starting to forgive ourselves and others. We need faith for all these moments in our everyday lives. And so it is when we're baptized that we've been so bound mysteriously to Jesus. And all that he is right now in heaven, I don't know how this works. But all that Jesus is has become ours. And all that we are right now as we are right now, is His. Mysteriously, I don't know, but it's real. We need to believe that. This is why Paul says in verse 12, we've been buried with Jesus in baptism, and then we're raised with Him through faith. Through faith. How are we united to Jesus? Because Jesus took the initiative. He bound himself to our humanity. He lived it out perfectly on our behalf. And then he suffered and died because of the penalty and consequence of sin. And he was raised to glory. He ascended to reign and rule. And then in baptism, that binds us to that same Jesus that happened all of that for him. That's true of us. He, we are united to that person in faith, in baptism. That's how we're united to Jesus. So then the last question. How are we changed? How are we right now changed by Jesus? Paul says in chapter 3, verse 1, If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Now Paul didn't mean forget about the earth. We're all just going to leave it. We're going to heaven up there. That's not what he's saying. He's saying since we've been baptized again in Jesus, our bodily life now is bound up with Jesus, who is in heaven. And Jesus in heaven isn't some ghost floating around on the clouds. He's fully and physically human with immortal flesh. He has dimensions. He has a height. Therefore, Paul says to pursue with our bodies three dimensions to, in that reality in which Jesus is presently inhabiting with his own body. And he's in this reality of resurrection, this reality of immortality. 
where human flesh has been given all authority in heaven and on earth, where human flesh is perfected and without sin or blemish or decay, where death is no more, where a human person is right now ruling and reigning as king and God over the universe. That's what we're pursuing, a real bodily reality. Because we're baptized into the same Jesus who is in heaven, it only makes sense, it's only reasonable to set the trajectory of our lives right now toward that goal, that future, that reality. And there are implications for our own bodies because of that. In chapter 3, verse 5, Paul says, he's not mincing words here, he's he's being very specific. Put to death, therefore, what's earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, greed, which is idolatry. Put those away. Put them aside. Your anger, your wrath, malice, slander, lies, obscene talk from your mouth. That's the nitty-gritty of our lives. We've experienced all of those one way or another. We've perpetrated those things one way or another. This is the rubber hitting the pavement Our flesh making its impact on other people's flesh, other creatures, the waters of the ocean, the rivers, the environment, the nature, everything. What Paul is describing here is how we are actually manifesting this baptism. How we're fleshing out our union with Christ for everyone to see and measure. It involves every member of our bodies and everything that we own. It's our material goods. That dollar sign in your, in your checking and savings account. That matters. And all of that needs to be being subdued under the kingship of Jesus. So this is how we're changed. This is how we are changed as human people. It involves putting to death everything that is earthly in our bodies. Now the word earthly could be translated more accurately as carnal, fleshly, which means anything that really stands against heaven where Jesus is. Anything that stands against God's will and design for humanity. These are devastating things that we can do to our own bodies, to other people's bodies, using our words, our actions, our body parts, our money. Again, I'm coming back to this. In our baptism, what's true of Jesus is true of us. Since Jesus died to sin in his body on that cross... We must count ourselves dead. No more stimulus. There's no more charge, no more claim of sin to our own bodies. Right? So we are to live as though sin is dead. It's not alive. It's not twitching anymore in our, in our bodies. The, the overconsumption of the industrial capitalist complex that we are in our society, is, it's dead to us. In our purchasing decisions, the domination of the bottom line of profits at any cost, that, that's dead to us in our investment capital decisions. The, the entitlement of sexual gratification, that's dead to us in how and what we watch on screen and with whom and how we engage sexually. The demand for just, for vengeance, The demand for vengeance is dead to us in our calls, in our cries, in our even whimpers for justice. 
the need to preserve our pride, our reputation, that's dead to us in the way we speak and handle the truth. Put off the old self with its bodily practices. Put on the new self, which is right now being renewed after the image of Jesus, our King. This is the realness of baptism. This is how the kingship and dominion of Jesus is being felt and done in our world, one baptism at a time. Let each of us then live out and live into our union with Christ who is in heaven. He's preparing to reappear in our planet to render judgment, reward, and renewal. The worn-out parts and the wicked ways of this world are they're being pushed out. They're, being, they're passing away. They're being changed day by day. To the end that all things would be brought into and under him who is making all things new. To the never-ending reign of Jesus the King. Amen. You've just listened to a podcast from Little Trinity Church in Toronto. Please check out our website at www.littletrinity.org to find out more about our ministries and services.